Hello, Brodo family, and welcome to the revolution. That is right. It is your time now to join the fantasy football revolution and download the fantasy football by Brodo app available now wherever you get your apps. What do you get in this app? You get player profiles, all the stats you need for every player. You get exclusive statistics, including Brodo exclusive statistics like true throw value and true target value. You get player specs. You get rankings. You get news. You get all the coaching stats you need. You get contract information. You get our podcast. You get articles. And you get special tools to build nice fancy charts so you could tell all your friends that you know more about fantasy football than them. And while you're at it, join the social media where people, when you Post about fantasy football, people will actually care. Not like when you post on Instagram and only your mom says, Oh my god, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you, Jimmy. I'm so proud that you won the championship. No, this time it is a community of fantasy football lovers, and you can join it right now on Apple. What do they call it? What do, you, what do they call the it? Michael App Jason? Store. The app store, there you go. And the Google and Play the Google, Store. And the Google Play Store. You can download the fantasy football app by Brodo today. Now let's get it started. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. I got to tell you, man, I, we, it's, been, it's, been, uh, it's been a little bit of a couple days for us, like just uh, stress-wise. In the... <laughs> It's been stressful. It's been a stressful couple of days for the three of us. It has nothing to do with Brodo. But right when I come on this podcast and I start talking into this microphone, it all goes away, man. I love talking fantasy with you guys. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a glorious hour or two, depending on how long we feel like talking for uh, <laughs> when we do record. <laughs> I, will, I will say this. So right off the bat, I want to say, if you don't know, if this is your first time listening, because... The app is out, and we are putting this on the app now. If this is your first time listening, I'm your host, Tim Petropolis, and I'm with my two brothers, Michael and Jason Petropolis, the best in the business, also happen to be twins. The only two twins who created an app, Tim. Come on. It was on a silver platter for you. Facts, facts, facts. I'm I'm trying to to let the people know. trying to let the people know. Jason, how you doing? You haven't even said a word, bro. Yeah, I'm just letting you guys talk. I haven't really had to contribute. (laughs) It's just funny, though. I was going to add to what you guys were saying. We always discuss, like, yeah, let's just start at this time, and let's... Just keep the pod this long, and then we always spend like an extra hour or more uh, on the pods every night because we just we just keep talking. If we you're can do this forever. If you're wondering what Jason's talking about, you should know that during the season we have a podcast every single week that previews every single game. I repeat, every single game and every single player in every single game. So you can go to these other shows and they can tell you all about how Alvin Kamara is about to have a good game. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, you don't say. No, <laughs> we come here and we talk to you and we tell you that Traquan Smith, the week that he scored two touchdowns against the Lions, we tell you that that's going to happen, okay? So we tell you about all the players uh, that are fantasy viable, not just the big names, not just the guys that you know are going to do good. Um, and we do that every single week during the, the season. And we have two episodes during the season, three episodes during the season. Um, and we have two episodes in the offseason. Now, you might be wondering, looking through our, our our show doc, but you only have one episode per week. Well, that's because one of the episodes is a Patreon exclusive. And 
exclusive. And if you'd like to support the show and the app, and you know, we're more than a show nowadays. We are expanded. We're a website. We're an app. We have writers, uh, great contributors. We have a community. Um, and if you want to join that community and be part of this whole revolution that we have going on, it is patreon.com slash brotofantasy uh, to access that. For as little as $3 a month, you get tons and tons of extras, including access to our Patreon community, which is a family at this point for sure. Um, act, we, what, what, uh, what else do, do we have for them? An extra episode? We have... Uh, you can join leagues with us. Waivers during the season. Waiver a waiver pod during the season, which is one of the most important. If I must say, I I might be the best waiver person I know, and I, I don't usually get cocky, but I, I I I dominate those waivers, kid. The king of the waiver wave himself. That's it. Um, Giveaways tons, tons like uh, Super Bowl boxes. Yeah, giveaways, Super Bowl boxes. Um, we had when we launched the app. Actually, our patrons got the app a week in advance, and they had an opportunity to do a. Uh, scavenger hunt and two of our patrons are winning um are winning prizes because of that so shout out to them we and have to shout out we have to tell those patrons in the patron pod because we actually haven't done that yet so i guess that'll be a patron pod announcement yeah for sure so um they're going to be getting free mer merch and if you want the opportunity to do all this check out patreon.com slash broto fantasy to support the show and become part of our ever growing community so Jason, Michael, some big deals will have gone down since the last we talked. Some small deals, too. But I want to talk about the biggest of the deals. And that is... <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a show without Jason cutting me off and say something corny. Um, Sound like the... you're going to go there or d'oeuvres there. I'd like some more d'oeuvres right now. I'm pretty hungry. <sighs> Michael, what are you going to do with this guy? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. This guy's talking about... I mean, I could go for a nice uh, tapenade right now. I'm not going to lie. Tapenade. Yeah, about? If we're talking Yo, our d'oeuvres, we're not rich. <laughs> <laughs> Although it may seem like we are. Our d'oeuvres and tapenades. Um, honestly, I can't. I can't eat. What I also I like canned tuna. Like, what do you want me to say? But right now, I'm in the mood for a tapenade. <laughs> what I had for what I had for dinner tonight, canned tuna. <laughs> I mean, is is olive tapenade expensive? Is that an expensive item? Just the the word is expensive. It not, is the word. Yeah, it's, it's like not more expensive than. Olives, like <laughs> Jason, you're uh, gonna be rich. So stop saying you're not rich. You're gonna be fucking loaded, fucking guy. Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Kenny Galladay to the New York Giants. Uh, I know Kenny Galladay is a guy who was pretty wide, widely renowned as the number one wide receiver available, especially after Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin got franchised. Um, signs with the Giants, a giant, giant giant contract and a giant addition uh currently jason is getting fed by his girlfriend and he's talking about not being rare he's getting fed by his girlfriend <laughs> that was anyway, raw tuna. <laughs> so let's start so let's start with michael michael how do you feel uh, about the i can't signing? believe what's happening right now but back to back to what we're here to talk about yeah so i think the the money here is a little ridiculous like i'm a fan of kenny galladay but I think he got paid a little bit too much. I understand the if you have the money, spend it. And, you know, he has been very productive in the past. But we're talking about a guy who has, like, one very productive season in his career and has dealt with injuries and such uh, in other aspects. I'm not denying the talent. It just I just I do feel like he got paid a little bit too much. And the Giants have very many areas of need. 
So to spend that much on a single wide receiver, if he ends up making an impact like Stefan Diggs did, for example, for the Bills and Josh Allen, um, if it's a Kenny Galladay-Daniel Jones uh, tandem that's similar to something like that, obviously it'll be a huge signing. Just off the bat, I th- just I thought to myself, that's a little much, and I'm not a big Daniel Jones believer after his first couple of seasons, but it certainly won't not help the offense, and that offense is in need of some playmakers on the outside. So it's it's a good signing from that aspect. Just a little, a little rich for my taste. Just the just the just to have like some some context. Four year, seventy two million dollar deal with the Giants. Forty million in guaranteed. Which which the 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 new like. Man, rich people are always trying to not pay things. Always. And again, like even guaranteed contracts are different these days because it's $40 million in guarantees, which includes $28 million in fully guaranteed money. Whatever the fuck that means. And then you got and then he's he's the eighth highest paid wide receiver in, in terms of $18 million a year. So I think it's not crazy, crazy money, but you have to think about Kenny Galladay's uh history with with injury. And I think that has to has to play in to that. But there's one thing that's for sure. Daniel Jones needs to step his game up next year because yep. if he does, if he's not the real deal, then the Giants are going to be looking for somebody else. What thousand percent? Yeah. And I think a quick shout out to one of our writers, Mike Shizzle, um, released an article just earlier this morning about the Kenny Galladay signing. And I think he was on the money with Daniel Jones in that. This is going to help him not only by opening the field up like on the outside, but it'll also create some space for him to use his legs more. Daniel Jones was the fastest quarterback in the league last year, faster than Lamar Jackson, as noted in the article I'm talking about, if you want to read it on the website or the app. So I think uh, we've seen that the running quarterback in fantasy definitely is becoming like a huge valuable piece. And in real life football too, we've seen how important a running quarterback can be. Uh, so if Kenny Galladay even opens up the field a little bit in that sense, it'll definitely help uh, Daniel Jones. Um, the issue with Daniel Jones is throwing the ball. Uh, I don't doubt that he can get it to Kenny Galladay a decent amount of times, but he needs to be better and he needs to turn the ball over less. And I'm not sure if just adding Kenny Galladay is going to do that. Um. It's going to be interesting to see. I think that Kenny Galladay is, is probably going to be a situation where I, I can see him in like the third to fifth round in drafts, depending on where you're drafting. Like if you're drafting in New York, he's going in the third round because there's going to be a giant fan in your league that is is super hyped about Kenny Galladay. But if you're anywhere else, then or if you have or if you're anywhere else and you're not playing with a Giants fan. Real I, I quick, that, Tim, for the first time ever last night. Well, besides the keeper league, me and Michael had, so it doesn't really count because I, 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 it does count. First time in redraft ever, I drafted Jacob Degrom. Oh, I'm wearing my Mets shirt right now. That is sexy, and I'm happy about it. I finally get to root for both of my teams. By the way, before we move on to our next topic, you should know that another perk that comes with being a patron True. is the Brodo Dugout, where Michael gives his fantasy advice or fantasy baseball. Michael is a perennial fantasy baseball killer including the only fantasy pros ranker to finish in the top i'm going to get this right michael in the top 10 in three separate positional categories including a number one overall finishing outfielder very very close top Damn. five in three five. in three different categories Give including me a, Rick a number Flair. one overall Woo! finish 
Yeah. So, so I, I know what I'm doing in base. The, I mean, the rankings are also free on the site, um, Broto Dugout. So if your drafts are coming up, take a look. So some interesting news that I just want to go over, and then we're going to get into our main topic for the day. Today we're going to be going over something very important. Very important. What, what we learned in the 2020 season, and this was a year of many lessons. Um, one of the things you could always learn is never trust coach speak in the offseason, um, but this one's a little interesting. The GM, Steve Keim of the, uh, of the Cardinals, says that he'll monitor the running back position, but he believes Chase Edmonds is an excellent player. If Chase Edmonds ends up being RB1 in Arizona, that is someone who can have some sneaky fantasy value that you can get late that could be a pretty good player. I don't think he'll be going late if that's the case. I think he's going a little late now because no one's really expecting it to just be him. But, I mean, if it's August, September, and they're like, it's Chase Edmonds, this is his backfield, he's the guy, he'll probably end up being a third, fourth round pick. Um, another another running back move that's pretty interesting. The Falcons signed Mike Davis, two years, five point five million dollar contract. So not exactly starter money, but also not bench warmer money. Um, Mike Davis is an interesting story because when if you handcuffed Christian McCaffrey with Mike Davis, you had a really good first few weeks, but then he dropped off the cliff. If you look at his um, running yards over expected, which is a uh, Brodo exclusive stat available on the site. You could see from the chart there that Mike Davis completely falls off at the end of the year. Um, his rushing stats go down. His, his pass-catching stats go down. His fantasy stats go down. So there is some issues with durability with Mike Davis. But with that being said, this guy was very, very productive, and he showed a real propensity to catch the ball. Jason, how do you feel about this? And Is it interesting if he ends up being the starting running back here? I very much like it. It's a, it is intriguing, and I like it because he's not going somewhere to be a workhorse. I don't think that's what the Falcons want him to be. Uh, they have other guys there, the Edo Smiths of the world, people that they've shown that they trust to give the ball to. Um, Todd those Gurley. guys. <laughs> I was going to say, they took over for Todd Gurley last year, basically. So we know that the Falcons probably are going to be a team that wants to work with a running back by committee. And if Mike Davis is the 1A, as you said, Mike Davis was great to start last season. And if he's able to maintain that efficiency by being a rotation player, then I think it's going to be a good pickup for the Falcons. Uh, let's stay in the NFC South. Uh, Ian Rappaport believes Jameis Winston has a leg up on Taysom Hill in the Saints quarterback competition. I don't know if I made this bet already, but I would Sam. like to bet you guys, if you don't, if you don't already say this, I, I'm going to say Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback week one for the Saints. I mean, we had this exact conversation on Did we? Yeah. Last, Did we? Okay. we all agree. Uh, but I, I just want to say okay. to anyone listening, just I, just stop. Just stop listening to anything that has to do with Hill and Winston. If Winston stop. was the fucking guy, he would have started last year when Breeze went down. It doesn't make any logical sense. Taysom Hill is the quarterback. They didn't pay him crazy money. One yeah, year, man. $10 million. That's what, like, it Andy makes Dalton no sense. Pisses me um, off. James White re-signs with the Patriots on a one-year, $2.5 million contract. Now, I know you guys... What the fuck is up with all this J.J. Taylor stuff? I'm sorry. I, like, if you're not on, like, fantasy football Twitter, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But everyone just picks a person to suck off randomly for a week. <laughs> and this week, it was J.J. Taylor, as if that guy's ever done anything, and as if he actually was going to, like, have a role. Like, if you're going to suck off a Patriots running back, let it be Damian Harris, who was a stud last year. 
one of the I think he had the highest rushing yards over expected last year, uh, per attempt. So like that's all I want to say about that. I this isn't gonna do anything. Cam Newton is an awful quarterback, so the Patriots you should stay away as long as Cam Newton's throwing the ball. Yep. I will say this. Last year was an incredibly down year for receiving running backs. One of the worst years in history for receiving running backs. With that being said, James White still in one of the worst passing years a Patriots quarterback has ever had. Probably the worst passing year a Patriots quarterback has ever had. I'm not familiar with the Patriots history in 1963 or anything like that, but I'm assuming it's a good chance. Um, James White still was top 10 in targets, top 10 in receiving yards, and top 10 in catches. And what did so, that do for uh, for his fantasy value? Look, 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 I'm not saying that he's a good fantasy player. I'm just saying it's worth noting that James White has a role in this offense. And let that let that information do as it may. That's all I have to say. Um, T.Y. Hilton, to Jimity, your cricket himself, is uh, get his singing and dancing his way back into uh, Indianapolis. Um, if you don't know, to Jiminy, your cricket, is our nickname for T.Y. Hilton because we have no idea what T.Y. stands for. So Michael just said to Jiminy, you cricket, and now we thought that was funny. Um, But anyway, $8 million guaranteed for a guy who's been at the Colts his entire career. I I mean, I still don't see myself drafting T.Y. Hilton. This is a big bummer for me as a person who drafted Paris Campbell in a dynasty startup this year. Yeah, I mean, he had a little bit of a resurgence at the end of the year, though. And if you look at the the injury... and coming back a little slower, make it does make some sense. But he also on the older side now. He's above the thirty um, age thirty threshold of where receivers tend to dip off. And it's not like he's ever been a picture of health or like a superstar. But I'm sure he'll have some. Uh, like I'm not gonna draft him as a starting wide receiver on my team. Like there's no way I'm going into my draft and I'm happy with him as like a wide receiver three. Maybe you could use him as a flex in good matchups or in best ball. I think he'll have some appeal, but I'm not really expecting too much from T.Y. Hilton at this point, even with um, the newly minted Carson Wentz out in Indy. Man, I, we posted on Brodo Fantasy, which, by the way, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Brodo Fantasy. Well, I posted a, a, a video of old school Carson Wentz, like escaping a short sack and running for like 12 yards on a big third down against Washington. It's just like, wow, this guy before his injury was really, really special. So if they could, if Frank Wright can like lo- unlock that, um, I was watching Mel Kuyper Jr. I was listening to his podcast uh, about the draft, but he mentioned that Carson Wentz and the price he went to Indianapolis for, that's like a no brainer home run trade for the Indianapolis Colts who continue to find franchise quarterbacks uh, like they're growing on trees. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the Colts, uh, I think Wentz could be really good this year. Well, that's something we'll talk about more and more um, in the upcoming weeks. Tevin Coleman to the Jets. I think it's. I think this is something that we should mention just because he does reunite with his he- former head coach. I mean, I mean, his former defensive coordinator in San Francisco, but now head coach Robert Sala and the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. So they are familiar with him and they thought it was good to bring him in. Obviously, the Jets backfield is completely up in the air right now. Um, Frank Gore is not going to be there again and. Um, and they don't have really any young guys. So Tevin Coleman right now looks like if the if the season would start today, he would take over the reins. But I, I'm, I'm guessing problem, that's not gonna happen. The problem is that Tevin Coleman stinks. We have a Jets group chat because we're Jets fans, and one of our Jets fan friends said, um, "Well, at least he's a guy who could do it all." Like I don't want a guy who could do it all if he does it all at a highly mediocre level. <laughs> like. 
he, that just means he's doing it. So what? Like, he caught a pass. So what? If he's not being productive with it, then I'm not super interested. I mean, at this point, Tevin Coleman is who he is. He had those couple of good years mixing it up with Devontae Freeman, and everyone wanted him to be a thing so bad, and it just hasn't happened. And I get it. They're just want Salah, but, like, I'm not really interested. Michael said we're Jets fans, but I'm not even really sure who the Jets are anymore. Uh, I thought we were New York 49ers fans. Right, right. That's, that's exactly what we are. And and you know what? I'm here for it. <laughs> Give us all the 49er. Paula is just moving San Francisco to New York. The next just thing please. is going to happen, the, the Salah is going to either, if I don't know if he's on the roster or not, sign or trade for C.J. Beathard and be like starting quarterback. Uh, C.J. <laughs> Beathard is underrated. He is underrated. He's underrated, but he's uh, let's relax. On but he's how <laughs> yeah. um, he's a good backup, though. Speaking of underrated, a Brodo favorite, a Brodo staple. We love this guy, Matt Breida. Signs with yeah. the signs a one year deal with the Buffalo Bills. Con- continues to be underrated, Matt Breida. I don't understand why he's not moved more, used more. This guy, every time he touches the ball, does something special with it. Not every time, but look, this is a guy who had over five yards of carry for. Two years in a row. Last year didn't get any burn in in a situation where he probably should have got burned. Burned. Now this he's not a, a workhorse back, but Matt Breida is a nice change of pace back. I think it's a good move for the Buffalo Bills. I just have to mention it because he's he's a brutal favorite. Yeah, I just think that this um, I think that Breida's good enough to get on the field for the Bills, which means it's even tougher to choose between Moss and Singletary. Now the answer to that question is like, neither. The answer is no one, and it's no pretty one. clear. I think that. That signing made me think that Darren Bevel is just gonna keep keep throwing the ball, yeah. throw, 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 throw. Oh, Bevel! Yeah, they went the whole the Bevel foosballs the Bevel. But that that playoff game was amazing when they went the whole first half without a single like actual rush. It was great. Remember when act like actual Brian fame? Dable? My bad. We were over here talking oh, about wow. Bevel, Bevel. When is Brian <laughs> Dable? Dable, Dable, Dable. It's still that's why Brian Dable. Yeah, Brian Dable obviously wanted to throw the ball a lot with Josh Allen. I think that's going to remain, which is good for fantasy purposes. For those who don't know, of course, uh, Bevel is the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars now, who are going to have a brand new quarterback, and they're going to be an interesting uh, team to watch. Um, one last one here. I think maybe maybe two. Um, I thought this was interesting. New running back. A new Raiders running back, this is straight from Roto World, new Raiders running back Kenyon Drake said he's been told he will spend time at receiver in 2021. He says, Coach John Gruden said that he was going to use me in a multitude of ways, playing receiver, playing running back, just having the ability to kind of use my versatility as a weapon in the open field is something that really spoke to me. Interesting. Um I feel like again, but you should you should again I, I, before you say anything, Michael. This is the classic coach speak in the off season, which you should take with a grain of salt. But go ahead, Michael. Yeah, I want to say I I tweeted uh, the profile of Kenyon Drake from 2019 and 2020, which showed that he was a certainly a more prolific pass catcher in 2019. But go ahead and download the Brodo Fantasy Football by Brodo app, folks, and you could go look at it yourself. See yards per reception, uh, targets, receptions, all that good stuff. But this one, I think, maybe like instead of a grain of salt, maybe like a, a grain of rice, a little bit more, uh, I don't know, a little bit thicker, a little bit stronger. Because let's not forget that the Raiders drafted Lynn Bowden Jr. last year, 
basically for that role. It didn't work out. They ended up hating Lynn Bowden Jr. and traded him um, for like a, to the Dolphins for a late-round pick. But I, I feel like it's kind of interesting to think about that they drafted someone for that role, didn't work out, and then they went out and gave someone a decent amount of change for that role. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, I, Michael, you could have said any any other type of salt. You could have said rock salt. You could have said sea salt. You could have said salt nah, lamp. grain of rice has, is more substance. It's just harder. Himalayan to, uh... pink. Yeah, but th- that's that's not the point of the saying, though, Michael. Well, you just got to drop a little bit of <laughs> water on the rice. You know, give it a boil, let it puff up, and that's Kenyan Drake. I don't what, even one, know what I'm one... saying anymore. He's one single <laughs> grain of rice puffed up. <laughs> just one puffed up grain of rice. Kenyan Drake, the rice man. Um, you heard it here. You heard it here first. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are. I mean, you should know this. We're brothers. We mentioned it already, but we also happen to live very close to one another. In fact, I have the apartment with my wife uh, on the ground floor, with let's say floor number one, and then underneath, in like the basement kind of area, it's it's a it's a private home with someone who also lives at the top floor. Um, the twins live together. Michael just moved in. Um, and I bought them a, a, a mad nice knife. Dude, it was funny because I was telling Jason we need a good knife. I used the knife today to cut a sweet potato. And, you know, oh, anyone who's cut a sweet potato knows how difficult cutting a sweet potato could be. Like not, not anger, like anger just running through your veins trying to cut that damn sweet potato. She was like it was like butter. It was tremendous. It was great. But Loved anyway, I, I, I was going to get you a salt lamp. And my wife, my wife talked me out of it. How happy are you? I how much happy are you that she did? rather have the, the <laughs> knife for sure thank you uh and finally last piece of news just before we move on adam humphreys uh signs with the washington football team which i think is interesting because that means curtis samuel i guess is going to spend a lot of time outside not just in the slot um unless they also re-sign cam sims so unless this is just a depth move um which it probably might be because it's only a one-year contract um you know, just something interesting because Ryan Fitzpatrick finds a way to make all of his teammates fantasy viable at least once per the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go, and ahead. go ahead, Jay. I mean, look, I think that this is um, it's kind of a bummer spot in my opinion. People are gonna be like, "Oh, Fitz and Humphreys had their best season together." Humphreys saw over a hundred targets in 2018 with the Bucks. Like, that's not gonna happen again. He's not gonna see that many targets. He's only 27, but he's the old guy in the room now with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel around him. And even Cam Sims I'm, is younger. Yeah, so I just... I like he's a good player for real life, but he's been carried by Tannehill's efficiency recently, and I just think this is a little upsetting because I feel like this is going to take targets away from Samuel, Gibson, and even McKissick. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. And Lance right. Thomas, they got it. They got a Logan a Thomas, room. dude. Stop calling him Lance Thomas. <laughs> the Knicks game is on in the background, so I got Knicks on my mind. Jeez Louise. Um, I got Knicks on my mind is something that uh, meant something completely different to me when I was nineteen. All right, so um, I'm not even gonna act like I know what that means. A, a nickel bag of Mary Jane. They called them Knicks. Knicks. They're called Knicks in the hood. In, in, I don't, not the hood, but New York City. <laughs> I call it my hood. You know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, um, fantasy lessons that we learned last year. We made a list of three each, and we want to give you the fantasy lessons that we learned because we're not perfect. No one's perfect in this thing. If, I, if anyone was perfect in this thing, then it wouldn't be any fun, right? 
everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has to learn from their mistakes. So we're going to give you nine lessons, nine whole lessons. That's a lot of lessons. Nine lessons on what we learned last year in the 2020 fantasy season going forward. Michael, you are on my right, and I'm a righty, so you go first. Let the, let the people know, what was your first lesson yeah. that you learned? I just want to preface this by saying I think this is a super, super cool and smart podcast. And I'm not saying it just because it's us. <laughs> I'm saying I think more podcasters should do this because it's you could uh, really look at your teams and your thoughts and think about like, oh, maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have done that. Look at things that have occurred in the past and find flaws because no matter what, everyone has flaws in fantasy football. No one's perfect every single year. But yeah, I think this is a, a very good listen, so I hope you guys enjoy it. But the first one for me is I've always been a zero running back guy. You guys know that. I kind of strayed more towards getting a star running back if I could last year. But the first lesson for me is no matter how thin how thin the running back field may seem, there will always be running backs on the waiver wire. There are so many people during pre-draft season who are like, oh, look at these running backs. You can't you can't go more than two rounds without a running back. If you wait to round four or five, you're toast. And then look what happens during the season, man. Jeffrey Wilson has star moments. James Robinson becomes one of the best running backs in the league. Miles Gaskin became like a star fantasy football running back. Mike Davis was a stud. There, You could just go countless number of times. Just go ahead. Like One thing I like to do when it's uh, time for draft prep season just go to last season's rankings and look at the rankings from like weeks 13 through 16 and see how many ridiculous names are at the top yeah. or near the top because that's how fantasy football works. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be players coming out of nowhere to have big games and good matchups and things of that sort. So no matter what you think, there are going to be running backs available on the wire, period. You're not just going to be stuck if you don't draft a running back in the first or first two rounds. I, I tend to disagree. I will I will say that, Michael. I tend I tend to disagree. I, I think that in in Rejeff, because I think that you We're your coming off point, a year where zero running back was so clearly the choice. I don't know. Cause like I I had a team where I, I drafted Kamara and Jacobs, but there were the wide receiver category was so deep that I ended up also being able to to draft uh, Terry McLaurin. Deontay Johnson, Robert Woods. I ended up getting to pick up Justin Jefferson. I I have this theory in my, in my drafts where I never want to leave the draft with a wide receiver three. I never I, I never want to leave because I know that I'm going to have my yearly wide receiver three by week three off the waiver wire. I've I've done it for six years in a row now. So I I feel like there's always a wide receiver to pick up. And if you can if you can cement a wide receiver one like a workhorse like a Kamara, like I I really believe like. I missed out on Aaron Jones, one pick. I was picking between Jacobs and Jones. Had that person picked Jacobs over me, I would have had Kamara and Jones, and I would have been chilling. So, I, I mean, I, I I hear you. I hear you. But I also think that rule applies to receivers as well. I, I mean, it really depends on where you are in the draft because if you're picking at the end of the first round, you're not going to get a Kamara. You're not going to get a guy like that. So maybe then that's the strategy there. Sure, but I mean – like teams who drafted Kelsey Adams Hill, those were the teams that succeeded the most this season. So I'm just saying, don't don't go into a draft forgetting how often 
running backs go down and pop up out of nowhere during a season. That's all. Facts, facts, facts. Jason, what's your next one? My rule, which I learned this past season, it was it's a tough one. Um, I typically like I like to stay to what I'm thinking, not ADP. I was I'm, my rule is don't fall for the ADP traps with older players. Mm, I like that. We're used to seeing older players perform, so their names are enticing. Think T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was good for the first half of the season, but then really fell off hard. Like these three guys, for example, you see their names and they're more enticing than they should be. And I typically don't really fall for ADP and I stick to my own rankings, but I was able to get like Todd Gurley and AJ Green last year at points where even in my rankings, I was like, you know what? It's worth the shot here. And it just wasn't. So it just made me realize, look, like the NFL is a physical game and there's always injuries and they're unpredictable. But a lot of times older guys, especially ones who have been injured a lot in the past, they're just either not going to they're either going to get injured or just not be the same. Like AJ Green was certainly not the same last year. So going into next season, I'm making a note to myself to not fall for the enticement of a name, even if those players get to the point where I feel a little comfortable taking them. I want it to get to the point where I feel very comfortable, where the risk is super minimal. I feel that, Jason. I feel I, I think that the the real even when it doesn't come to when it doesn't come to like just the old players, it's like trust your guns, right? Trust trust your 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 logic. Trust it because if you don't like Todd Gurley in the fourth round, then don't like Todd Gurley in the eighth round. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the thing about the, the ADP and, and, and drafts, and we talk about it a lot, but as soon as the draft is over, that shit goes out the window. It's gone. And it, and you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be making trades based on that or, or nothing like that. As soon as the draft is over, those are out the window. Those are the people that are on your team and that's it. So I think it's really interesting. I do. I think it's really interesting. Um, my first rule is a rule that I have fallen for year after year after year, and I am through. You're done. Which obviously, which obviously means that this will probably be the best uh, year for these guys. It is never the year of tight ends. Every single year, I listen to podcasts. I make podcasts. I, I read articles. And every year, somebody, somebody always goes, hey, tight ends are looking pretty good this year. And it's bullshit. It's absolute crap. It's not true. It's never true. It's never the year of tight end, ever. And if you think it is, you're going to get burned just like I got burned this year drafting Mark Andrews in the third fucking round, thinking that this was the year he was going to be great. And was he good? He was all right. He was fine. But this is how much the difference is between the top tier tight ends and everyone else. This year, the top tight end in the league was Travis Kelsey. Number two was Darren Waller. Number three was Robert Tunyon. Now, for Tunyon, excuse me. First of all, Robert Tunyon wasn't even on the field regularly until the second half of the season. So that shows you one thing. Number two, 
Travis Kelsey had 75 more points than Darren Waller. 75 more points. Darren Waller. Do you know what the difference is between Darren Waller? The difference between Darren Waller and the third overall player, Robert Tunyon, is the same exact distance of points between Robert Tunyon and the number 24 overall tight end, Gerald Everett. That is how big the gap was between the top tight ends and the bottom. And I will tell you this. It's never the year of the tight end. But I support drafting a tight end early. And I know that Jason does not support it. And Jason, you could you could talk to me because you got burned by George Kittle this year. But drafting a guy like George Kittle on a healthy year and drafting a guy like Travis Kelsey on a healthy year is such a positional advantage. And don't fool yourself if you pass on these guys by thinking, I'm just going to draft a superstar tight end later in the draft. Because you're not. It never happens. It's never going to happen. You're not going to do it, period. Well, I mean, not for nothing, Darren Waller was like an eighth-round pick, though. Like, you could have gotten Darren Waller in, like, the eighth round. That was stupid. I think going I think going back and looking back, and any, if, if we had to do it again, Darren Waller would be clearly the second tight end off the board. And no one would make stupid decisions like saying, oh, Henry Ruggs and Nelson Aguilar are going to take things from him. Like, those are stupid things to say. Those were stupid things to say. <laughs> um, Jason, do you have any thoughts on this? You look, you look angry. The only thing I, I, I hear you in um, the positional advantage. My thought process is a little different. Mine is total points win the game, baby. And positional advantage might give you a 10 to 5 advantage at tight end in fantasy points. But if you then lose the wide receiver 3 battle 11 to 10, then you're only four points up. Whereas I feel like if you have a better wide receiver and a worse tight end than your opponent, you have a better shot at scoring more total points. I do agree with that. So Jason is just saying hodgepodge these tight ends together. So you're agreeing with me. No, Jason is saying don't draft a tight end early unless it's Travis Kelsey. I'm saying I think second-round wide receiver, ninth-round tight end, will outscore second-round tight end, ninth-round wide receiver. And I like total points, not comparative points. Interesting. Interesting. We're getting we're getting deep into the into the analysis right now. Um, Michael, what is your second rule? My second rule is pay more attention to or not pay more attention per se, but weigh more the quarterback that is throwing to the wide receiver. Um, in terms of true throw value, in terms of um, pass attempts, in terms of overall skill, someone who pops into my mind right away, DJ Chark. Um, he had Gardner Minshew slash Nick Foles as his quarterback this season. People were expecting a very nice season after the breakout uh, the year prior, but when you don't have a very good quarterback, it is hard to have a very productive season. Um, Allen Robinson is someone I really liked at ADP. He ended up producing as a water, fringe wide receiver one, I believe, but there were a lot of ups and downs because Mitchell Trubisky was his quarterback and Nick Foles. I said Nick Foles for DJ Chark. Um, Nick, I don't know why I said that, but for Minshew, Minshew yeah. So I just, I want, I'm going to be more careful choosing players when it comes to look wide receivers 
um, when it comes to looking at who, which quarterbacks are throwing to them. Um, because like uh, Tyreek Hill was a smash, obviously, because Patrick Mahomes is throwing to him. Like, if you put Allen Robinson on the Chiefs, I'm sure Allen Robinson would be a first round pick, but he's not. He's okay. with now Andy Dalton. So like, am I gonna be in on Allen Robinson ADP this year? If it's a similar ADP, I don't know because I don't expect much of an upgrade, and it gets kind of old dealing with the ups and downs of guys who play with shitty QBs when the QBs have super shitty games. So one guy, one guy that I drafted this year was Terry McLaurin. And I think that he is a, a, such a, he's kind of like an a, exception to the rule a little bit. Sure. But he's also a really good, uh, like look at this. Cause he played with four different QBs. Yeah. And when, and Alex Smith couldn't get him the ball deep and his numbers suffered with Alex Smith. And then you had Dwayne Haskins, who, although bad quarterback, targeted him like crazy. So he produced because he got targeted like crazy. Then you had him with Tyler Henneke and Brandon Allen and these guys who the like his his uh production kind of leveled out around like 10 points a game. So it shows you that even someone on the level of Terry McLaurin, who could do so well, um, even with a bad quarterback, he's still even a a a tra- trapped in the quarterback. And that's the whole reason why we made true throw values is to, is to talk about that. Jason, I'm going to skip over you. My bad. I'm going to go and then I'll, I'll let you go because mine has to do with quarterbacks too. Bitch. Okay. My, my one is I am warming up to taking a mid round quarterback. I know that you guys might agree with me. When I say mid round, I mean like rounds four is kind of stretching it for me. But in this case, I'll say four. Round four through like round eight. I think those are that's where you're gonna find your quarterback. And I think that round five has always been a really nice sweet spot for me when it comes to finding a quarterback. Now, I know the twins are very much uh wait till you get your quarterback type. Uh, and I'm gonna it, like you gotta adapt and change. The QB position for fantasy is certainly changing. So you gotta adapt and change with it. Ooh, I love it, Michael. Talk to me. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, um, I have always certainly been a streaming quarterback kind of guy, but over the last several years, that has been a bigger and bigger gap because of the new way most quarterbacks are using their legs and um, passing a bunch. Guys like Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and they're they're making it a lot harder to trust streamers every week when they're basically guaranteed a very 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 high floor because of because of their legs and that's those that's like these new types of quarterbacks so it's tough to stream when you're going up against these types of guys facts and 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 not to mention that when you stream you got to hit or else it's going to really cost you like yeah. you can't get you can't get 16 points out of your quarterback no more like that's not going to cut it no more because i mean the cutoff for quarterback one most weeks last week was 20 points last year so Knowing that those numbers, you're gonna ha- you need a quarterback's gonna score you 28 to 30 points to to give you r- great numbers. And in order to do that, you need a, need a quarterback that most likely needs to use his legs. I'm gonna give you guys an example. So between round four and round eight, these are the quarterbacks that went last year according to uh, Fantasy Pros ADP: Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Josh Allen. Wow, Drew Brees and Tom Brady that's, that's hilariously bad. Yeah, but they 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 also Tom Brady was one of the best quarterbacks in the league that late and he ended up as a as a quarterback one. And Drew Brees played 
was a very good fantasy option when he played. Not nah, like see, that's what I'm talking about. In the days of Breeze and Brady leading the pack, that's when streaming was viable. But now, like you said, guys like Watson, Wilson, Kyler Murray, it's tough to scream, stream against those guys. They have such a high floor. Even Tom Brady had multiple weeks this week where you were like, oh, why did I start Tom Brady? Because yeah. if he doesn't throw for three touchdowns, he's really not producing for you. So, yeah, not counting those guys, though. If you look at Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Exactly. Those, he's in their legs. Right. They give you a nice floor with the legs. Now let's look at the flip side. Um, in the 13th round plus, which is streaming quarterback territory, this is these are the quarterbacks that were available and that went, starting with uh, round 13. And I'm cheating a little bit because Aaron Rodgers went in the 11th round, but he's kind of a little bit of, a, of an outlier, for, uh, outlier here. So I'm going to start yeah. with round 13. Matt Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, Daniel Jones, Cam Newton, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, yuck. And then after that, you have Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins. But if you listen to this podcast, you would be taking Ryan Tannehill well earlier than this, and you'd be taking Kirk Cousins well earlier than this. Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins are are known for true throw value. They're, they're, they are the most efficient quarterbacks in the league over the last two years. So those two guys, if you listen to this podcast, weren't going that late. But the names I just said between Garoppolo and Stafford, there is literally no hits there. None. Baker Mayfield, maybe. But besides that, there is no hits whatsoever, not even close. So that's what you're looking at if you're if you're drafting someone late. And then if you're lucky enough to get Tannehill and Cousins, that's great. Let's see the rest of the quarterbacks that are available at that point. Phillip Rivers, Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, Tua Tagovailoa, Sam Darnold, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, you like, didn't even mention Justin Herbert, who would have ended up being the best. Yeah, yeah and Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert actually... Average, it said average round 35 here. Yeah, I mean, so no I, one was really drafting. He wasn't, he wasn't drafting because he didn't start. Tyrod Taylor started. So it's it's like, you got to, you got to, you got it's a 10% hit rate almost. Like, you got to really be on it because you don't realize, like, the NFL, the quarterback position kind of sucks. And it's crazy yeah. because these guys get drafted so early every year. And every year, it seems like a new crop of quarterbacks that are supposed to be amazing come through. And they and it kind of sucks. And it, the, the, cream, the cream rises to the top. I so it's crazy that it's a, a single sport, like, all of the entire world. And we can't find, like, 15 people who excel at it. Like... Man, I, against I'll, I'll, the best competition. It's crazy to me. Did you guys ever watch the Brady Six, the documentary? I have not, no. It's a good, it's good. It's from 2010, yeah. so it's a little bit, it's a little bit later. But yo, they don't they don't do it like that no more, bro. And in, in those kind of days, like quarterbacks would sit on the bench two, three seasons, learn, and then come in. And they would be much more ready to to have an impact right off the bat. But well, the that's rookie, not the case. And now it's all about money ball, making uh taking advantage of the rookie contract and shit. Yeah, well, if you got young players, like everyone wants Patrick Mahomes, there's not there's only a little bit of Patrick Mahomes. And I should mention too that I said mid-round quarterbacks cuz I'm still not drafting a quarterback early. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, by all stretches of the imagination last year were busts in terms of their ADPs. So, I think that and and Dak Prescott uh, was the third. I don't know, Mahomes was pretty damn great when he was in. Like, he he was good, yeah, but he wasn't first-round quarterback good. He wasn't being taken in the first round. He's being taken in the second or third. Nah, he yeah, was dude, taking. Nobody was taking Mahomes in the first round. It says here his his average his ADP was first round. 
That's that's, that's what a, it says here on falsitude. Well, either way, second round, he's not good enough to be in the second round either. And Lamar Jackson was going in the first round. So no, like he wasn't. What ADP are you looking what at? The fuck are you talking about? I'm talking I'm I'm looking at Fantasy Pros ADP. Yeah, well they're yeah, bugging. That's incorrect. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm bugging. I'm, I'm making a mistake. 16 and 17 overall they went. So beginning of the second round. Tim doesn't know right. how to count. I, I concede. I don't know how to count. <laughs> I concede. So beginning of the second round, but still way too early for Mid second round, you fuck. Nah, not even in a 12 man draft, that's early second round. Okay, I can I go now? Yes, good. <laughs> too much rambling there. I had to cut it off. Um my second argument. I'm a big believer in trusting your gut um on draft day. But my rule here that I learned this year is if it's really hard to find supporting arguments, then don't even bother trying to find supporting arguments. And the guy I'm gonna point out for this is DJ Chark. Last year, I liked DJ Chark, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. When I tried to look at the stats, why? I couldn't really find anything that jumped out to me. When I tried to look into his quarterbacks, plural, I couldn't really find anything that jumped out to me. Everything told me that DJ Chark was a fade, but I just believed in his talent and thought that he'd be a good pick regardless. So I do, I think is a good balance between trusting your gut, but then also following the numbers. And if there's just nothing pointing you to drafting this person, then you're probably better off not drafting this person. It's like not it. as lengthy as yours, but I like it. I like it. That's the rule. I like it too. Three All rules right, Michael, left, folks. Three world rules left. Michael, what's your last rule? My last rule. Every year. There's a lot of coach speaking shit. We all know that. But by the time August, September rolls around, you kind of forget about what happened in uh, March through June, March through July or so. I'm going to pay more attention to quarterback. I mean, excuse me, coach coaches specifically going after players. Um, what comes to mind is Matt Rule specifically picking out Robbie Anderson because they had a connection in the past. I did not look into that at all. I was like, whatever. We know who Robbie Anderson is. We're, we're Jets fans. They have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. They have DJ Moore. Matt Rule, turns out he fucking loves himself some Robbie Anderson and made Robbie Anderson the star of that offense for whatever reason. DJ Moore is by far the, the better player. But that's what happened. And I did not look into that at all. I just didn't want anything really to do with Robbie Anderson. Um, and... Robbie Anderson ended up not being a star or a stud player, but he was super, super consistent getting you around 10 to 12 points basically every week as like a wide receiver three flex play. So that's something I'm going to keep a closer eye on if there's a, cause he was going at a, he was going super late. Like when you could grab someone like that at a massive discount, it certainly helps. So just going to keep an eye out this off season closer on coaches specifically going after players that, they think could really impact the team that they may have a connection with in the past. Fire, fire. I love that. So uh, anyone specifically that you might be uh, looking at in this off season that kind of jumps out at you early in this off season. I've uh, not looked into it. That what about uh, Tevin Coleman? Yeah. I, was gonna say, I, was gonna, I was trying <laughs> to get you to say Coleman. That's funny. I was like, I heard, I hear fucking Tim. Yo, I heard in your voice. You're uh, you're kind of like, 
oh, I'm going to try to get him to say something that I want him to say. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, what, the, what the fuck is this kid getting at? <laughs> no. No. I mean, uh, what about what about, what about a guy like Kenyon Drake who, who like, wants to, like, it seems as though they were looking for him and, and, and they want to give him this special role. Like, is that something that, that pops into your mind? Or is there... Like, I mean, Kenyon Drake's normal free agent signing. Yeah. And we're going to see how training camp goes and such. But I'm, I'm talking more like they've had a connection in the past and they, they're bringing him back or, or something of that sort. Like a coach who's coached the guy before or like, like how, Haskins and McLaurin a couple of years ago. Haskins and okay. McLaurin. Yeah, exactly. They had the Ohio state connection and that, that right from the jump, it ended up being a solid connection. Jason, you're up. My last one is directed towards home leagues. We, we try to give advice for the, super experts the people who play in one league and don't really look at the nfl so no matter who you are you always play in a home league and your home league always has more factors than just which players you pick so my advice for your home leagues is sometimes it's good to make a trade seem more fair so that the rest of your league doesn't decide to never trade with you again facts because i now have a reputation in our league of destroying people in trades and i can no longer trade with people factual this is they refuse to trade with me they're just like this stigma like oh if jason wants to do that trade i'm gonna lose (laughs) like even if we even have a joke even even tim tim's wife when when he's talking about fantasy football he goes oh jason offered you a trade don't do it My wife, my wife, happen. my wife's name in the league that we have with our uh, with our significant others was "Don't Trust Jason." <laughs> that was her. That was the name of her team. I, I, Jason has has completely murdered teams in the past with his trades. Murdered, like he, because Jason always has a great. And I, I have an article that's going to come out soon of how to win a trade. Uh, so download the app if you want to get access to that article. And one of the things I mentioned is that always trade depth for getting the best player in the trade and jason made an art an art form out of that also he loved to trade like superstar named qbs uh before we just mentioned how qbs were important but you know this was like years ago he used to love trading superstar qbs where there was little variance and and trading those names for guys that are really going to make a difference and jason yeah, I agree with you, Jason. Jason. Jason was so frustrated. He used to like complain all the time. He's like, yo, no one wants to fucking trade with me. What the hell? And it's funny because they people would accept trades that were so much worse for them. And Jason was actually sending them like good trades. Yeah, man. <laughs> that would have helped them out. And Jason's like, I cannot believe he accepted this trade and he didn't accept my trade. You guys haven't seen Jason angry yet. It's, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but that's the point. So if you're looking to do a trade in your home league and you think it's a little fishy, just throw in an extra player just to do it so that no one will will think anything of it and you maintain your good reputation. Guys, you want to you hear a, a confession that I have that I've never told anyone about our home league? Uh-oh. I'm about to confess. So there's a trade that I made a few years ago that um, people held against me for a long time. And that was I traded on draft day. So what happened was the guy. I who, already know what you're going to say, and you've confessed this to us already. But go on. Oh, have I? Uh, the guy who yeah. who who got David Johnson in David Johnson's 2,000 yard season did not want David Johnson, and he got auto picked because he was late to the draft. 
So I hit him. I knew that already. So I hit him up right after the draft. I'm like, yo, who do you want for David Johnson? And I had picked Shady McCoy in the second round that year. And he and he offered it to me. He goes, yo, I'll give you Shady, I'll give you David Johnson for Shady McCoy straight up. And I went, yo, no one in the league is going to – no one's going to – everyone's not going to want to play anymore. So here, I'll do this. I'll throw in Frank Gore. And I threw in Frank Gore in that trade. Still and an it, absolutely it, ridiculous trade to this day that we I, will never I, let you down for. You cheated. I did not. Well, don't talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wanted to get. I wanted to get you pissed off because he's been pissing me off today. <laughs> you did not cheat. You did not cheat. Was offered to me, and I gave away Frank Gore, who, by the way, Shady McCoy and Frank Gore, running back four and twelve overall in the season that year. But Derek, David Johnson led me to the Yeah, you did uh, not cheat, Tim. Don't worry. I just wanted to see what you'd say. That year was great. I had OBJ in his second season. I had uh, Travis Kelsey in his breakout season. I, I had Andy good Clark. OBJ, man. Yeah, me too. I just traded OBJ in, in Dynasty. I traded uh, Russell Wilson and OBJ for Cooper Cup and Russ, uh, and uh, Lamar Jackson. And I'm thrilled about that deal, by the way. I'm absolutely thrilled. I think Cooper Cup's going to be great with, with Stafford. Um, But anyway, my last... My last uh, rule. Bring it home, Tim. This rule is going to be a little different than the other rules we talked about because this rule is going to be an anti-rule. Like, it's going to be, I should be thinking differently because of this year, but I'm not thinking differently. I'm going to think the same. And I'm still not taking rookies high. Like, I am not a big fan of taking rookies with high draft picks because for every, and and this year had great rookies. C.D. Lamb was great. Justin Jefferson was great. But for every C.D. Lamb, you have a Henry Ruggs. And with every Justin Jefferson, you have a Jalen Rager. And if you look at the top running backs that were taken, CEH, right, who looked like a home run and, and had a pretty good season, but not a season that you expected. He disappointed. Jonathan Taylor, who at the end of the year ended up being really good. But if you had Jonathan Taylor for the first eight weeks, you probably weren't in contention because you took him in the third round. DeAndre Swift. He had a couple good weeks, but nothing really crazy. Cam Akers. I am Cam, Cam Akers, who, again, got had a couple good games, but started slow. These are guys that all went in, like, the fifth, sixth round or higher. I know Jonathan Taylor went in the third round. This is, this is something that I'm never going to do. Something that I always, always draft with if, is this statement. If your expectation is that they are going to do something for the first time, then I don't want part of that. I don't want to bank on someone doing something they've never done before. Now, will some year someone do something they've never done before? Sure. And it, But for the most part, the law of averages works out for me, where a guy like Justin Jefferson was available on your waiver wires in week two. Um, CeeDee Lamb was probably the only one that stayed around. Jerry Judy probably, he like, he was like a just the tip player where one week you like, oh, he scored eight points this week. Maybe he's getting more involved in the offense. Let me and he just wasted a roster spot for fucking seven, eight weeks. You know, Tim? And I think we're uh, overlapping a little bit here with the uh quarterback wide receiver taking a closer look at who the quarterback is. I mean, think about it. Jerry Judy, Drew Locke, Bluch, Jalen Rager, Carson Wentz, and that offense was abysmal last year, Bluch. And then you got C D Lamb, Dak Prescott, oh, you got Justin Jefferson, oh, Kirk Cousins, who we know because of true throw values, is super underrated and extremely efficient. Henry Ruggs, Derek Carr, blah. So it's something to think about. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, so I'm staying away from those rookies still. Even though there have been some rookies that have uh, that have been great, I think you can get these rookies 
later. I'm not, I'm not banking on them. I don't want a rookie with my first round pick. I don't want a rookie with, uh, unless it's dynasty, like, cause if you took CEH and dynasty last year, there's, there's no guarantee that CEH is not a superstar this year. I mean, he could, he could go and go into the superstar mode. He's, he's still in the same position that he was last year. So I think that, um, I'm just I'm just staying away from rookies at ADP because there's always rookie hype. Something that Michael hates is on fantasy Twitter after the draft. There's always ridiculous rookie hype, just absolutely ridiculous, always. So I think that you need to not fall for that rookie hype, and you need to stay away. Even a guy, even a guy like Antonio Gibson who had a great season, you could have had Antonio Gibson on the waiver wire, or like like somebody- I don't. Go ahead. Tim. Sorry, I I don't have a problem with you picking up these rookies on the waiver wire. What I don't what 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 cripples teams is when you draft a rookie like Jonathan Taylor, and you're like, all right, I know he's not going to be the starter until like week six, but I'm going to keep the my, Taylor because I'm going so I'm going to keep my my bench. I'm going to keep him on my bench, and he wastes a bench spot in the early goings where bench spots are so valuable. Like that's another. I could have put this as another rule. In the early goings, you have the ability to shape your team going forward. In the first three weeks, there's no buys. So you don't you have a starting lineup in, and you don't have to worry about picking up people for just that week. So you can remake your bench in those weeks to have starters on your team. And instead, you have to hold on to a guy like Jerry Judy. You have to hold on to a guy like Jonathan Taylor. And it really it like last year I almost did not pick up Justin Jefferson because I'm like, oh, I got Jerry Judy. That would have been a giant mistake, and I, I would have regretted it the entire time. So I think that in terms of rookies, man, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not drinking the Kool Aid that this year has has given people. Because then you always get the uh, the guy everyone wanted to be like the first person to say Brian Edwards is going to be nice. Brian yeah. Edwards had absolutely nothing his rookie season. Do you know who who's a guy I'm already fading? You- I, I don't even know what team he's on yet. Kyle Pitts. I'm not I'm not drafting Kyle Pitts. Yo, fucking Brian Edwards, man. We were probably the only podcast saying, what the fuck are you guys talking about? The rookie wide receiver who had a rookie drafted ahead of him with a scrub throwing the ball. Yeah, that guy. Not to say not to say that Brian Edwards can't be good. I mean, there is something to be said about a kid who, who dominates college football on 19 years old. But not in his rookie season, and you don't draft the dude. Don't no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't fall for the rookie hype. The rookie hype don't is draft so real. Michael, I know, is number one. Like he gets so angry when he sees this these like trends on fantasy Twitter about rookie hype. He just hates it. Yeah. Because most of the time it's just stupid. The vast it's- majority of the time it's just stupid. <laughs> um the vast majority of the time we try not to be stupid, and you can follow us on Twitter if you don't want our st- not if you want our not stupid takes. Yeah, there you go. Jason, where can they find you? At Broto FF Jason. Mike, where can they find you? At Broto FF Mike. You can find the hardest working man in the business at Broto FF Casanova, uh, Santiago Casanova, our behind the scenes uh, and uh, person and helper helper of creating the app. Um, the guy's a, a whiz in terms of crunching numbers and and data analysts, and we're and we're so excited to have him on the squad. Follow him and follow me at Broto FF Tim. If you want to follow us all, uh, where most of our fantasy focus is at, it's at Broto Fantasy on Twitter. Um, you could visit the website BrotoFantasy.com. You could support us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BrotoFantasy, and don't forget to download the Fantasy Football by Broto app today, where you can read the article that we 
that we referenced earlier um, by Mike Shizzle, who is uh, one of our awesome writers um, about the fantasy impact um, that Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay brings. I, I I was blanking on the name Kenny Galladay for some reason. I wanted to say Babytron, but I know that he doesn't like that name anymore. Um, but that he brings to the Giants and tons, tons more. Um, with that being said, that is all for us today. If you want a second episode this week, please make sure you join that Patreon. Patreon.com slash Broader Fantasy. Until next time, we out. Later. Later.